Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Hey, Collider fans, John Roca here. If you like my show, you are going to love Rob Has a Podcast on Podcast One. Rob's sister, Nino, is kicking off the new season of Survivor. Check out the biggest Survivor podcast on the web with the king of reality TV. Check out Rob Has a Podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends... Over at State Farm, I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. (sighs) Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Mark Sidious, have you heard that uh, there's a rumor on Reddit that the Knights of Ren will be returning to Episode 9? Thoughts? I mean, returning is a weird word. Finally being utilized. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in that, Episode 9. Making an appearance. Or, no, no, making, making their... Um, making their... Tri- triumphant debut. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, what, that, well, those were the Knights of Ren when we got that Forceback vision, right? <laughs> That's right. What, that's what we're led to believe. Implicitly, those are the Knights of Ren. Yeah. It was never explicitly told, but right. we can all pretty much as- assume that there was a gang of misfits that Kylo was the leader of yeah. in the vision, that those were the Knights of Ren. Look, <clears throat> we've talked about this a lot, I think, uh, 
And I think with episode nine, there's going to be a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of payoff is what I'm hoping. You know, like I'm hoping that like the engineers behind the story, the engineers behind uh, the film and everything that we're going to get is hopefully being tailored at trying to soften the blow of the incredibly divided fan base. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm hopeful that if that's the Knights of Ren, I mean, like, we don't know anything about the Knights of Ren. We know zero. We know zero. They were introduced. It it, it was more like, I remember getting the name. They were like releasing those tops trading cards. And I read the name Kylo Ren. And I went, I like that name. That's Star Wars. That's a Star Wars name. And then when you hear later on the Knights of Ren, you're like, Oh, they all have the last name Ren? Right. Okay. What does that mean? Now, your results may vary with The Last Jedi, which our results vary greatly. Yeah. Organically, story-wise, I could see it working in a way that's satisfying because Kylo is now supreme leader, so he calls his boys to come in and right and basically back them up. You know, that makes sense because look, the rule of 2, right? Um there's always a master and an apprentice. Sure. So who is going to be it begs the question, who is going to be Kylo's apprentice if he's now the supreme leader and the quote-unquote master? Even though I don't think he's acted much like a master of anything. Right. Uh, even though I love Kylo Ren, I think he's a great character. Um he still seems extremely immature, emotional, um uh, a little reckless, you know, like a little, you know, th- um, jump before you think type of guy, which right. are, which are not attributes that you put on a on a on a master of any kind, or a leader, or a leader, matter. yeah, um, you know. So it makes sense that as a substitute for the rule of two, that he tries to call in his boys, the Knights of Ren, to come, you know, beside him, but. As a story element, I have no idea where that's going. I have no idea where it came from. It's just either. like – Who knows? And I I always go to this too. Like we have zero mention of Sith at all. Right. Right? Sith, we could conceivably say they were destroyed by Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker, the last of the Sith, right? Because yeah. the rule of two, Vader turns, becomes redeemed, saves his son, throws the, the master of puppets – the Sith to end all Sith, yeah. down a shaft and he's gone. And now nothing, no Sith. And then, well, sure, they probably some canon material, some comics and whatnot, maybe. I don't know. You guys can tell me in the chat. But now we have Snoke who's – well, we did have Snoke. We don't know if he's a Sith. And then Kylo Ren. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see what he do- – I would love for them to bring out the Sith again. I just hope they bring out a movie – that has consistent characters, mm-hmm. consistent character development based on those character attributes mm-hmm. that has stakes in it that actually are of some real consequence um, because, you know, the stakes – you know, the biggest stakes in Force Awakens was the destruction of the Republic, right, in that in – that hor- I, I think and I'll say it out loud, in that horrific scene. Yeah. Of the laser shooting out all the planets at the same time. Yeah, Hosnian like, Prime. Just boom, 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 yeah. Gone. Just like all this stuff gone. Like, I mean. The cradle of their republic. They, right. They and wiped you could it see out. it from the planet and like all the planets must have been really close to each other and like, you know, somehow they got them all in one shot. I mean, all that stuff 
to me, not to mention that they were using a sun as the energy source of the weapon, which is probably the dumbest idea in the history of weaponry, because once the sun is gone, then there's no gravity holding the planet in place, and it's just going to shoot off into into anyway. Oh, you're bringing science into my forget, Star forget, Wars. Forget forget all the physics and all the science. It is it is a science fantasy, right? Yes, like, it is. Like people think Star Wars is science fiction, it's not. It's no it's sci-fi it has fantasy. Nothing, it has nothing to do with get science rid of, fiction. Yeah, get rid of the science fiction yeah, or science. It's, all, it's 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 all fantasy. Yes, but but. In the last two movies, they've tried to incorporate science fiction elements. They did, yeah, with the hyperspace tracking and, you know. Yeah, and things that maybe don't belong in there, you know, like things that make you question, well, oh, okay, well, if you're establishing scientific parameters and rules to your story, then now you got to be consistent with them. Right. You know, because that's all filmmaking or storytelling is, is, is suspension of disbelief is created by the consistency of the tale, mm-hmm. you know, and like when you start being inconsistent with your story – it's like it's like when you're with your boys or you know with your friends hanging out and one of your buddies creates an inconsistency in his story mm-hmm. everybody calls him out for being a liar. Right. You know, uh we have some of that same stuff going on here. Who the hell would develop a doomsday weapon that uses a sun as its fuel? What happens when the sun is is gone? Uh, I mean, unless it's a one-fire weapon thing. like It might have been. I mean, anyway. they, they fired off and they got rid of Hosnia and Prime anyway. in the Republic. Maybe they had some time then start yeah. recharging. Who knows? We're, we, we'll never get that answer. <laughs> if J.J. Abrams revisits that plot thread, uh, I'll be disappointed. But, yeah, yeah. But Knights of Ren, TBD, on if that will show up. You know, uh, while you were gone, Christian Harloff uh, stepped in for you. We did talk a little bit about Episode Nine, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about... A few other things yeah. as we get in to officially rule of two. Rise. And welcome one and all. It is episode 17 of Rule 17. of Two. 17 That's episodes unreal. here on the Collider Jedi Council Podcast One feed. You can find us there. Drop in every Wednesday. It is episode 17. Mark Fernandez is back. You're on Sith Business. We had a holiday and then... The Sith business. Yeah. So two oh, shows you weren't here. Two shows. Well, yeah, we, yeah. Took a, we took well, one we, week we, off. We took a break. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got to say, it's good to have you back. Good. I, it's I, good to be back. Yeah. I love talking Star Wars with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk Star Wars. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. This is what I love about that show. This show. That show. This show. Who cares? We're going to talk about Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things I, I, I'd like to talk about a little bit that I've been thinking about. Yeah. Okay. You know? uh, what is that? Um. So I want to talk a little bit about the the climate of the fans around Star Wars. This is something I'm all in for. You know, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad because it's yeah. And it's like there's there's so many different ways to look at this. There's mm-hmm. so many different ins and outs to look at this. And I have a very specific theory of why I think there's so much – like when you think about Star Wars and you think about the fan base and you think about how the fans react to it, the most common thing that you get with Star Wars – and this isn't unique to the sequels. Mm-hmm. It's not unique to the prequels and it's not even unique to the original trilogy. You always get – because in the original trilogy, you had disappointed fans. In the prequels, you had disappointed fans and in the sequels, you have disappointed fans, right? Yeah. All three of them have – these highly vocal disappointed fans. In the original trilogy, those disappointed fans, when nothing else existed, when it was only the original trilogy, mm-hmm. 
all the bitching and the moaning and the complaining and the critiques and the this and the that always focused around The Last Jedi. You know, mm. with the Ewoks and, and oh, like, Return of the Jedi. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, they have Jedi in their title, so I get it. You know, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Return of the Jedi was always the the maligned one of the original trilogy, right? Yeah, I even heard people complain, and this is recently. I saw a Twitter thread where they're like, the the opening with Jabba makes no sense for the plot. It has nothing to do with the bigger plot, and I'm like, first shut first up. All, that's the greatest. Part. I think Return of the Jedi is probably one of the. It's like you know my list. My my list, mm-hmm. okay, probably goes, and I know there's been some talk about this on, on Collider Live and this and that and the other thing. So I'll give you my top five. Do it. Okay. All right. My number one is Revenge of the Sith. Yep. We okay? knew that. My number two is Return of the Jedi. Hey, look at that. Okay. My okay. number three is Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. My number four is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And my number five. Force Awakens. Um, Rogue One. No. It's probably, I go back and forth. Probably, uh, mm. it's probably between Clones and, uh, and and Phantom Menace. Okay, you know, uh, even though I did like I did like Rogue One, I thought Rogue One was really cool. But when I try to rewatch Rogue One, like like uh, you know, for me that's the ultimate test, right? Like how how many times can you rewatch a film? Right. You know? Because that's when you really know you like something. Mm-hmm. Like when you think you like something because you're supposed to like it or because people tell you it's great, that's very different than actually investing your time, uh, which is very valuable, into rewatching it. Yeah. You know, so I get it. when you say what are your top favorite movies, I usually think of it what are the movies that you can sit down and watch and even after viewing 30, you could still enjoy? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I have for, those movies. And for me with Rogue One, um, I enjoyed my initial viewing of it very much, mm-hmm. right? Every time I rewatch it, I skip around all over the place. Like really? It's, it's yeah, and, and you know what? You're not the only one. I've heard this. And it, for me, because it's been on Netflix, I'll put it on in the background. Yeah. So that's not really watching. That's like when you're, I'm doing some work at home and it's yeah. in the background and then like the Battle of Scarif happens and I look up and I watch the thing or, or certain scenes I watch, Darth Vader at the end. I get it. I get it. I mean, for me, I can rewatch that whole movie. Yeah, Rogue One. The prequels do not make it into my top five. I'll just be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, a lot of people I've uh, know this about me now. I've gone back and appreciate the prequels a lot more. However, Attack of the Clones is a bad movie. I can't. I can't. It is so hard for me to watch that movie because of a number of things. Yeah. So look, there are some things in, in, in Attack of the Clones that are, I think, a little overstated. Yeah, I think that that's what people struggle with, and some of the but great acting, moments as well. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the wooding, uh, the wooden acting, wooden acting. Yeah, that's where um, it gets me. But for me, there's also really amazing things in Attack of the Clones. Like, um, I absolutely love the scene of Obi Wan going to Geonosis. Mine and, too. That's and, my favorite. And, I mean, that scene is great. The scene of Obi Wan. Uh, chasing um, Jango Fett through the seismic asteroid field yep. with the seismic bombs. Incredible. Yep. Um, I really enjoy the finale between Obi-Wan, uh, Anakin, Yoda, and Count Dooku. I yep. thought that, that was too. really cool. Yep. Um, I I enjoy Obi-Wan um, confronting Count Dooku mm-hmm. and like trying to 
having Count Dooku trying to explain to him to some degree why he's doing what he's doing and for him to actually maybe consider coming over to his side, you yeah. know, like, like, like some of those temptation moments I thought were really interesting. Yep. I I actually enjoy the scene in the cafe with Dexter. I know everybody hates that scene. I actually, in, <sighs> yeah, it's you know, a little, like it's it, it it's a little too earth yeah, for me. To you know me, what I mean? It's a diner, and you're like, yeah, Ugh. it's a diner. But look, uh, the the cantina in Mos Eisley is a is a bar, right? But the cantina in Mos Eisley is for sure a bar. But the problem I had, especially with Attack of Clones, is when they're they're chasing after the shapeshifter. You know, after the assassination attempt on Padme. Which I like that whole scene too. I love that scene. I love the chase scene. When they get to that bar and there's like projections of like a football game with robots. Yeah. Took me out of the movie. Dexter took me out of the movie to Earth. Let's go to Solo. To Earth for me. To like that monkey thing. John Favreau's character. But, 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 But to counter that, I mean talking about getting taken back to Earth. Like all those things are still projections of a world that you can possibly imagine, right? Like, if, yeah, and that's why it's there. I would say it's yeah, like, see, like, they watch sports too. Robot sports are feasible, right? But like, I get it. when you get the Last Jedi, and you have a you know, hold on, you know, I can't hear you, telephone, cell phone miscommunication joke. I mean, like, yeah, I. I it's I just can like, understand that criticism for sure. And to get that in the first like five like, – like the first few minutes of the movie, it was yeah. just like – it was like taking this beautiful universe and just shitting on it in the first yeah. few minutes. But anyway, um, that's not the point. Um, the point is to talk about – you have disappointment throughout the history of Star Wars. Right. Right? And you have very – Vocal disappointment about the history of Star Wars throughout mm-hmm. the history of Star Wars. So, and even in our own comment section, um, especially on Rule of Two, I think Rule of Two has uh, a much healthier um, debate type comment section. Yeah, it you does. Know, it, it, people I've, I've are really throwing, noticed, and that's very. We thank you for that. We yeah. we got to acknowledge that people are throwing less bombs. You know, like you know, like arguments like. Um, Sort of like close-ended uh, statements that are supposed to kill arguments, but in fact are just idiotic statements. Like, oh, oh. that's bullshit. Blah, blah 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 blah. Yeah, you're stupid for thinking this way. You can't go yeah. anywhere after that. So, it just got me thinking about why is it that this particular franchise has this vitriol built into it? You know. Yeah. Um, and why is it that? Um, there can you know there there's so much passion about hating one thing and liking the other and then putting and then ultimately putting these two things at odds with each other right right it's mm-hmm. like even me right like um for me I'm a big fan of the original trilogy and the prequels I'm not such a big fan of the disney stuff right and even i put these things against each other yeah you know and I think one of the theories that I had, and I want to hear what your theory is on it, but one of the theories that I think I had is that at its core, Star Wars is such a it's such a campfire story, right? Yeah. It's such a myth, mm-hmm. right? It's like rooted in the concept of the myth, which is supposed to be a very uh, – like the myth is like the original meme, right? Like it's supposed to be so simple and so engaging in its plot development that you're able to remember it easily, mm-hmm. right? And that you're able to internalize it and then 
uh, regurgitate it to your other friends, right? Like you hear a great story at a campfire. What's the first thing you want to do is you want to tell it to somebody else. Right, you right. So, That's a great way to put Star Wars. I love that idea too. Yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking with the original trilogy, it put this beautiful world and this universe into our brains and it pretty much created an entire fandom of campfire storytellers mm-hmm. that all have their own unique take on this story, on this universe, right. you know? And every single time that a new offering, a, a new official offering is given to the fans, mm-hmm. it's like trying to figure out like a really complicated password because yeah. everybody has their own like stories, their own expectations, their own wishes, their own wants. Like because it does have this campfire element to it, everybody claims ownership over it. Yep. So when that when when the stories that you hear don't match the stories that are in your brain, it creates this kind of defensive mechanism mm-hmm. to try to protect your version of reality in your brain. Yeah. And to try to completely dismiss the other one. And be so vocal about it until you can force, or at least you think you can force, the powers that be to eliminate that version of the story from the reality of Star Wars. Now, look, this sounds a little bit convoluted, but... No, I'm following you completely. I love this. I love your take on this. I mean, why do you think there's such division in the fan base? Well, to say it kind of the same way as you is that let's put it into my own experience. When Phantom Menace was announced... Yeah. And we were going to get the first Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi. Like you, I'm sure, like fans everywhere, we lost our mind. We were excited. And I immediately – I did this. I wrote the trailer. This is what we're going to see in the trailer. This is a year and a half before we saw the first trailer. You know, So this is in the announcement. Ewan McGregor is going to do this. It's going to be young Darth Vader. Oh, my God, they cast Liam Neeson. Oh, my God, they cast Natalie Portman. So in my mind, I started to create the trailer. Boba Fett was in that trailer because I was a Boba Fett guy. You know, I loved I loved the idea of – and this is to your point. In my mind, I went, great. We're going to be able to get some more character work. So maybe we're going to figure out where Boba Fett came from. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure out a little bit more of Yoda. We're going to figure out Obi-Wan a lot. So for me, I had placed Obi-Wan Kenobi as the main character based on the news that it was going to be a small kid as Darth Vader. Okay, So I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Obi-Wan is our main protagonist for this next trilogy, and he essentially hands it off to Luke. That was not the case. I had an idea that Boba Fett would be involved – as one of the main villains so that when he came back in the in the you know or then when we see him next in the original trilogy he has a little bit more weight right that didn't happen um you got a version of that but and you the, get a version in clothes i on paper i love the idea that boba fett is a clone i love that idea the way it was handled executed leave something to be desired that's for sure for me at least but i know what you're saying you create these expectations like i did for last jedi there are rumors going around that they filmed a scene on Octu where some like – I think at the time it was the Knights of Ren attack the island and Ray and Luke have to fight them off. Right, right. Which they did film something like that, but it turned out to just be a joke. It turned out to be a joke that was on the deleted scenes. Yeah, a terrible it, deleted scene by the way. Yeah. It's, I mean I, actually a good – delete. it's good that they deleted that scene. Yes, exactly. I, I'm yeah. with you on that. 
But in my mind, I'm like, oh, we're going to get to see Luke Skywalker kick some ass. And for me, you know what? A lot of people didn't like the version of Luke in Last Jedi. You know me. Right. I liked it. Most powerful Jedi trick ever right. is what he did. So I, I was satisfied in a way that even walking out of Last Jedi – I had to think about it. Was I satisfied? Did I like that? I had to do some – like I couldn't sleep that night. But that's another podcast. Yeah. But I can see what you're saying. The expectations. You start creating the story in your head of what you want to see and you land on certain characters and story elements that start to color that narrative that you start to create, your own campfire story. We do it all the time around here. We stand around. Oh, man. Wouldn't it be great if we see this yeah. happen and then boom. You're hitting story points. Around a somewhat water cooler campfire environment yeah. where we love our Star Wars. We're doing it now with episode nine, like Knights of Ren. We just did it. Yeah. Do you think the Knights of Ren, how would they do it? How would they get there? Oh, the rule of two Sith. There's no right, Sith. Right. Like we start creating first this all, that's narrative. A great, first of all, it's a great, that's a great segue. It's a great point. Yeah. Because when you bring up the Knights of Ren um, and – Oh, they're going to be f- featured more in episodes more, which is a w- weird way to put it. But right. they're going to be pr- they're going to premiere right for real yeah. in, in episode nine. One flashback sequence to does me, not make a story. To me, it's like w- like using the campfire analogy again, right? Like if you're doing a campfire horror story, you always have the creepy old house or the or the graveyard or the old lady or the ghost or the whatever right there's like there's there's pillars to campfire stories right absolutely story tropes you know yeah, certain things there's certain things knights of ren is not a a pillar of star wars right it's something that like when you ask me what do i think it's going to be like i it's almost like i don't care yeah. because there's no context to it there's no there's no pillar. There's no trope. Like there's – the Knights of Ren are not part of the campfire story. The Knights of Ren are some thing that they're trying to introduce to perhaps create a new set of like toys to put in the sandbox. Right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, and like look, J.J. Uh, Abrams created, you know, um, and I know it was him, Damon uh, Lindelof and um, – I forgot the other guy's name. Um, For Lost? Yeah. You're talking about Lost? Yeah. Oh, boy. The I know guy, who you're talking uh, about. Yeah. Oh, he did, um, he's a great He's a great showrunner. Uh, mm-hmm. Carlton Cuse. There it is. Carlton Cuse. Yep. These three guys created, I think, one of the greatest television shows ever made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And in this show, they created these little mystery boxes every day. And I know I think we've even brought this up on the show before. Mm-hmm. And they would introduce things and not really explain them and not really give them much context and then bring them back like, you know, f- 10 episodes later. And then you get another little piece of the puzzle. OK, which is, I think, part of the reason why Lost was so popular. We hadn't seen that, before. which is great. Yeah, which is great. Serial storytelling. That's a very different element mm-hmm. to the hero's journey yeah. that that Star Wars is built on. Mm-hmm. The fundamental DNA of Star Wars is very different than the idea of like a mystery story, which is what J.J. Abrams basically created, right? Like if you boil it down to its, consist- to its constituent parts, The Force Awakens is a mystery story mm. because the only thing that's remotely interesting in the plot, right, is who is Rey. Who is Ray and where is Luke? 
I would Who's say. Who's Ray and where's Luke? These, yeah. are, these, are, these are mysteries. And part of it, too, I would say I would put Snoke in there. Yeah. You know, yeah who's yeah. that guy? No, no, first of all, you're absolutely right. Every element introduced into The Force Awakens is a mystery. Yeah, and, and, and rightly so. It's the first movie in the new sequel trilogy, so setting up story – Maybe some answers that we're going to get later on down the line in other movies. Which is great. Yeah. And like I was all on board for it. Look, I didn't love uh, The Force Awakens, um, but I didn't like – I mean it didn't like make me want to like stop loving Star Wars or anything. It was no. just like a game that I felt like we lost, but it was still a well-played game and like yeah. you know, the team showed up. But then when you set up this mystery thing – Mm-hmm. Right, and that's your campfire story. Because what were all the campfire stories post Force Awakens? Was who is this? Who is that? Who is Snoke? Yeah. Uh, who are Ray's parents? Like uh, blah blah blah. Who 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 who? Yeah. What's like? What's the answer to the mystery? Mm-hmm. Episodes one through six do not have mystery. They have a journey yeah. of heroes overcoming of heroes. Getting power, mm-hmm. going into the depths of a really tumultuous, troublesome situation, overcoming these challenges, and coming out victorious on the other hand for the betterment of their little group. Right? Yeah. Like that's what both of those trilogies are fundamentally. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you had one minor, and not minor, turned about major for the original trilogy at the end of Empire. Is Darth Vader telling the truth? Is that Luke's right, but that, father? But but. Yes, but that's very different because that's not a mystery. Right. Like Luke's father. That's a character moment and I get what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, that's a reveal. That's yeah. more like a twist. That's mm-hmm. more of a narrative twist. It's, yeah, it's more a twist. You're right. Because it's not a mystery because you know who Luke's father is in the first scene that you see with Luke and, and Obi-Wan. Right. Luke's parentage is never a mystery. That's very movie. true. Yeah. It's just revealed that in fact Luke Skywalker – I'm sorry, Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader are the same person. Right. That's a reveal. Yep. It's a it's back in the day they'd call that a maybe an M night twist. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, a, it's a twist. It kinda is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it's a twist. And um but it also serves the overall function of the hero's journey perfectly because it creates a bigger challenge right. for the hero to overcome. And the stakes are raised even higher yes. because it's you have to now go kill him. Right. These are all very clean narrative devices in the first six movies. Yes. So now when you get to these new movies, um, you've pretty much changed the formula a little bit. And, and, and you've made the formula a J.J. Abrams-type formula, which is mystery. Look mm-hmm. at all his movies. His, his mystery box. Yeah. His, we've said it, it, it. We've brought this up so many times. Yeah. And I'm glad we're talking about it again because I feel that Ryan Johnson gets a little unfair criticism. Now, you can disagree on his treatment of Luke. That's, that's Ryan Johnson. He did what he did. However, the idea of setting up who is Snoke, who are Ray's parents, where is Luke Skywalker, that was all done by J.J. That was done by J.J. Yeah, yeah. and Lawrence Kasdan. Yep. And that was the mystery element that you are now referring to as being now a part of Star Wars where it wasn't before. It wasn't before. And um – and I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing because like – No, and people would probably argue we didn't know who the emperor was, where he came from in Empire but, Strikes Back because they bring this up. I see these conversations happening on Twitter yeah. in regards to Snoke. He was never – Snoke – the emperor was never given any sort of backstory until the prequels and that was by design. Yes. But in but, Empire Strikes Back, 
New Hope and Return of the Jedi, he's just there. And you just buy it immediately. He's the emperor. He runs the galaxy. But Snoke became a mystery only when you juxtapose Snoke to the emperor because – yes. You know, I think the most valid critique of Force Awakens, and uh, this I hear from even the people that love the movie, mm-hmm. is that it's Star Wars karaoke. You mm-hmm. know, fundamentally, not fundamentally, on the surface, it's Star Wars karaoke, right? It right. follows the beats almost one for one of Star Wars, you know, episode four. Um, and, you know, you do introduce this element of the. A new version of the Emperor, mm-hmm. right? So when you look at Snoke, you're not just looking at Snoke. You're saying, oh, well, this movie reminds me a lot of episode four. Right. And even though there's some obvious differences, but it reminds me a lot of episode four. And you have this character that actually reminds me a lot of the Emperor. Yep. So who is he? Right. Where, where when you first watch Star Wars, Darth Vader is always the main baddie. Right. But when Vader tells you that he actually answers to somebody else and you first see him in in um in uh Empire, then it creates this 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 um clear relationship that somebody's pulling the strings on Vader. Yeah. So 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 you know it, it, it's, it's different. Great it is different. It's a great point. It's it's congratulations. I haven't really thought of it that way. Yeah. That's that's very, very true because you are introduced to Vader. You know he's the dark side. You know because of the costume. You've seen him choke somebody, one of the Imperial guys on the New yeah. Hope. In New Hope, you see him. If choke anything, out you some think guys. Tarkin might be pulling the strings on Vader. You do think he is, yeah. because even Princess Leia sees. I see you've got Vader on a short leash, right? And Tarkin seems to be taking the orders yeah. from somewhere else. He's How a higher up. Leia in that movie. Leia yeah. in, in New Hope. Yeah, is the great. best. She's yeah. the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, sometimes I think about that, man. Like Leia, Carrie Fisher really did an amazing job in those first three movies. She really did. And I think, you know, what's so funny. We'll, we'll be talking about it, I'm sure, for years to come. But she was the first true action heroine mm. because – and you think 1977, you think 1976 she was cast yeah. in filming. I think, I think you can throw Lauren Bacall in there. Lauren Bacall? Okay. I, I think you can throw um, – uh, From like what movie? Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman in um, in that Hitchcock movie. Uh, ah. Oh. Um, she was great in that. I mean but yes, like in a mainstream way, you know, definitely broke new ground. But I think of other really great hair – like um, even, even though I think – I think this predates her. But I, I think even Margot Kitty or Kidder. Uh, yeah, in uh, in Superman was excellent. As oh, like she's the best. She's my she's my Lois. Well, you think about the the timing here. Seventy seven with Star Wars. Nineteen seventy eight, we get Ripley and Margot Kidder as Lois. Lane. Okay, so so Star Wars is before the first Superman. It's before the first, yeah. Nineteen seventy eight, yeah. Superman the movie and Alien debut. Okay. Oh right, right. So you get Ripley in there, right? You right, get right. Ripley in there. Ripley was also great. Yeah, yeah but I, I see what you're saying. She, yeah, Carrie Fisher is fantastic. But yeah. going back to and, your yeah. point, yes. I love this idea that we get in in a beautifully written, realized character the the broad stroke of one of the most iconic villains ever. The minute you see him walk in on the ship, Leia's ship, and survey the damage, you're like, 
oh, shit. That's the bad guy. That's the bad guy. Yeah. Easy, right? Then you see some of his powers. You're with Vader most of the time. You're worried about this guy. Like yeah. once he shows up, our farm boy, our smuggler, and our princess and their dog companion are going to be yeah. really screwed. It's all clear in the in the in the exposition. It's all clear. There's no mystery to it. Yeah, and it's it's the villain wears a black hat. The, the hero wears a white hat. It's yeah. very simple storytelling. Yeah, which I love. Yeah, and then you get some layers to this character. You bring up Tarkin in A New Hope. Then we bring up, to your point now, the Emperor comes in and says we have in a the great – In the second movie. In the second movie, yeah. there is a great disturbance in the Force. Holy shit, there's somebody even more powerful than Vader. Right. And he's like – Vader goes in. This is what's so interesting. Vader goes in and kneels. Yeah. Yes, my master. And you're like, OK, who's that guy? Yeah. Does Obi-Wan bring up the Emperor in New Hope? Seduced, maybe he just has seduced by the power of the dark side. Yeah, I don't think he does. It really comes into, I mean, they bring it up a lot in Return of the Jedi. Well, the Emperor has already won. You are our only hope. Yeah, yeah. Vader spoke of another. Yeah. So, you know, I love the I love this conversation. First off, but the broad strokes are there. So, to your point, now the Emperor appears. You kind of know everything you need to know right then and there, right? But couldn't you say that about Force Awakens and the introduction of Snoke? Because Kylo Ren were following him. Darth Vader's grandson. He turned to the dark side. He left Luke. He, he destroyed the Jedi Order. Classic dark side moves here. Vision pops up and it's Snoke. Yes. And the answer would be yes mm-hmm. if you didn't have episodes one through six before it. But the fact that you have episodes one through six before it, yeah. you can't pull the same like trick again because yeah. you're not slowly introducing Snoke into the equation like they did with the Emperor. God, you're right. Now you have a new yeah. Emperor. So it begs the question, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, who is this now? Because the Emperor, we know everything about him. Not only that, we got the prequels. Right. So we saw this. Not so we only saw that, his rise. Not only that, we had Clone Wars. We had Clone Wars. With all those Sith popping up. Right. Never any mention of Snoke. Never any blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I, like, I get it. So I, I totally get it. The question is, who, who is this guy? Yeah. You know? And he was, look, you know, for all my critiques of The Force Awakens, I think uh, Andy Serkis does an incredible job this Snoke. Yeah. He's I, great. I, I think that visually, I love the art direction in The Force Awakens a lot more than in The Last Jedi. Um, I think the art direction of The Force Awakens is gorgeous. Yeah, it like, is. The costume design is amazing. Felt Star Wars. It it dripped of Star Wars Yeah, on, on almost every level for me mm-hmm. with the exception of the story that it was trying to tell wasn't consistent with everything that came before it. Yeah. You know, it didn't seem like an evolution of the saga. It seemed like a you know like look I, I mean I'm overthinking this a little bit but it seemed like a reboot of the saga. I, I get I get that and a reboot, not using the hero's journey as its fundamental DNA. Even though, um, yes, because it mimics episode four so much, there is an obvious hero's journey with Ray with Ray in in the Force Awakens. I was just gonna say, but it's not the primary focus of what's happening in this story. Because you're, you're having to deal – really the story 
of The Force Awakens, when you really look at it, it's really about like trying to uh, destroy the old republic, mm-hmm. destroy the old empire, build in the resistance, and build in the First Order. Mm-hmm. Like it's really trying to do that, and I think it does it in a very sloppy way of killing the old republic or those four planets with that stupid ray gun and then um, having like it go from republic back to this like little rebel resistance. Yeah. Like that's really what they were doing with that movie is resetting everything, right? In terms of the in terms of the universe. But they what, really were that's what they wanted to reintroduce Star Wars to the but, audience. But one thing I will give The Force Awakens immense amounts of credit for is that it was a really amazing campfire story starter mm-hmm. because J.J. Abrams' real innovation to The Force Awakens was I'm going to create so much mystery, so much questions about everything that you saw that now you're not going to stop talking about it until the next one. Which is exactly true. Which is exactly what happened. That's what we did. And that's why I think there was a lot of uh, – Divisive reactions to The Last Jedi because most of those answer, answers never came. Yeah. Even And when they did come, they didn't make any sense. Even the Ray reveal, if you call it that, which I believe the they will. Traders. Right. I, I do believe we're going to get some sort of bigger reveal. Yeah. Um, I do too. I, I I think that's where it's going. It starts to feel that way yeah. in the conversation. Yeah, I think that like, look, we've talked about this before, but I I do think that JJ is going to go back to what he knows best, mm-hmm. which is to create his own type of campfire story. Mm-hmm. And his campfire storytelling methodology is based on mystery. Yes. It's not based on a hero's journey. He mm-hmm. doesn't. That's not how he th- functions. No, he teases. He will intrigue you. He will. Make you ask questions. Yeah. Who are and then the others? Pull the Who's Ben away? Linus? Right. Like, why did Jack's father like show up on the island? Like, where's the polar bear from? Like, right. you know, like what's the hatch? What's the hatch? Like, right. that's that's his. You know, it's just like like uh, you know, Emperor Palpatine, Sith lords are our speciality. Right. Mystery is J.J. Abrams' speciality. Well, you know what? He better he better get off of that because you got one movie to wrap everything up, unless. Unless not. Like, unless the saga continues. Could. You know, because look. uh, I think they would be. Disney, listen, we've talked about this. We've talked about the idea of 10, 11, and 12, and Lucas saying no, there's no, and then no, this is the end of the Skywalker. Lucas has actually said no to that? Well, Lucas has said, no, he hasn't said no to that because he's not with Disney anymore. Um, But he has said that, oh, I've only had um, three sagas. But at one point, I heard there was. Four. Well, on the on the DVD, I don't know if it's still there now, but on the DVD of Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. um, in the back of the box, um, and uh, one of the uh, listeners sent this to me, and it was so cool, uh, you know, because I totally forgot about it. But in the back of the box of Revenge of the Sith, it says uh, the epic. I think the exact quote is the epic and final conclusion of the Star Wars saga. Yeah, exactly. You know, so but as we know, he did. Get uh, Michael Arndt yeah, to come in. I know. Which write is the my, script. That's my Star Wars dream. You know what? Let me go total tangent here. What's um, what's your if you could have one Star Wars dream? Like and and it would be great to get some comments cooking on this. Let's try to get some positivity down there in the comments. Even though yeah. for, you know for the most part our comments are are, are, are productive. You know yeah. which which I appreciate. 
What's your one Star Wars dream? If you can have – not that you can direct a movie or this or that, but if you can have one Star Wars wish fulfilled still as an entertainment property, right? Mm-hmm. Not like I want to be a Jedi or I want to have a lightsaber, but like more like I wish you know Luke Skywalker or uh, I wish Anakin Skywalker was played by Leo DiCaprio or something like that, right? Right, right. What's your one Star Wars uh, wish? I'm I'm going to jump off of a uh, thread going on right now because it 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 happened. I read it on Twitter and it goes like this: um, basically, take the plot of any movie and change it to your liking, to your yeah. dream. So it's it's kind of asking yeah. the same question, yeah, yeah. right? What's, yeah. What's so your the, Star Wars exa- the yeah. example was um, Michael not killing Fredo. See what that relationship would be like later on down the line in Godfather. For yeah. me, it would be making Obi Wan Kenobi the main protagonist. In the prequel trilogy, and he has a love triangle with Padme and Anakin, and that's kind of what happens in the. And this is before. That's how they end up hating each other. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We get and I mind you, I know this now. We would have to get rid of the whole Jedi can't love because that was not ever introduced in yeah, yeah. any of that's a prequel the thing. Star Wars movies. That was a prequel thing because in the Star Wars movies. Luke originally he's digging on Leia before yeah. he finds out. But right? Luke, but Luke is um, Luke doesn't really have a teacher. I mean, he has Obi Wan, right? But Obi Wan's not going into like the Jedi code with him or anything that. Nope, never that goes academic. into the code. It wasn't very academic, right? And then moreover, what do we Yoda know? Yoda wasn't either. Yoda wasn't either. Moreover, what do we know about shirts? Not canon anymore. Expanded universe, the Legends novels. Luke Skywalker falls in love with Mara Jade, yeah. and gets married. Yeah. Right. Um, the kids. The kids happen. Leia and Han have their kids. They. They. You know. One falls to the dark side. One doesn't. But I believe some of them do marry. It. It just. It was never classified to me in the original trilogy that a Jedi could not love. That was introduced in the prequel. So it's kind of a broad swash here. I would have to get rid of that because I would love it for Obi Wan. To be the main character. He's the hero's journey. Yeah, He's the one that we follow through the three movies. And Anakin becomes a supplemental character. And now when I say that he falls in love with Padme, it's not that simple. I'm not saying he, you know, Padme cheats on him or yeah. anything like that. I'm saying that once Anakin starts going down the path of the dark side, that's where she starts leaning on Obi-Wan more. Because there was actually a rumor that that was going to happen, and I love that idea. Mm. So that would be mine. And in Revenge of the Sith, you do get that intimate or, or, or um, intimated. It's, yeah, it's intimated about he's turned you against me. Yeah, yeah. Right. That that Anakin feels jealousy yeah. uh, about Padme uh, with uh, with Obi Wan. Yeah. For me, my Star Wars uh, wish used to be. Um, I wish I would have seen Darth Vader, like Anakin, as mm. Darth Vader, destroy the Jedi and hunt the Jedi down and, right. and really get more of that because we didn't really get a ton of that. We didn't get that's, any of it really. Yeah, that's mine too. Like kind of what we got with Rogue One with Vader wrecking shit. Right, right. But I'm talking like a like a 10-minute set piece yeah. where it's just Vader destroying Jedi. Yeah. Like Anakin, like Anakin with the blue lightsaber and all that stuff, but as the Christian, the newly christened Darth Vader – at his at his more like at his most um, evil because once he becomes more machine than man he almost doesn't have a choice 
He's yeah. almost forced into being evil. Mm-hmm. It's almost the only way that he can deal with it at this point. Right. When he's still human, it's still it's it's almost more evil because he's got a he's constantly making a choice to be evil. Yeah. And you know, it's easy. I see what you're saying too. When you have Darth Vader, such an iconic villain, the design, yeah, it's a mask. So it kind of he becomes more machine than man. Yeah. When you have Anakin killing younglings, there's a man doing that. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? Like, I get what you're saying. And like we never really saw it. You know, like the like the closest thing we get to it, which is not even close at all, is when uh, uh, Palpatine sends him to Mustafar to kill the Trade Federation people. Yeah. yeah. And you see him kind of slaughtering them and his eyes and all that st- and all that stuff, excuse me. That's the only time you get it. Yeah. You know, besides that you don't really get it. You know, so that's so that used to be my main wish until Force Awakens came out. Okay. My wish now is that I wish I could read uh the Michael Arndt George Lucas episode seven script. Well we have a few ideas because in you know, that storyboard artist came out and said I did some storyboards. The first movie that Michael Arndt did with George Lucas was Luke was on an island. He was somewhat of a hermit. And Ray, who was named Kira at that time, K-I-R-A, which may, makes me think that they kind of lifted that name, repurposed it for Solo mm. and it's Kira. Solo. Kira also. Kira, but, but Q. But Q. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's a little nod. But that was his – that's where it kind of started. And then he was going to go deeper into midichlorians and that the midichlorians were being manipulated by even smaller microscopic things called the wills. So we can kind of get an idea based on that report. I wish. And and you know, supposedly he was talking to J.J. about directing it. Oh, yeah. He wanted J.J. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was never going to direct this new episode seven. It was always going to be J.J. Yeah. And I think that came from Spielberg. Spielberg I think Spielberg and uh, I believe – uh, no, Brad Bird. I th- was Brad Bird also mentioned JJ, or Brad Bird might have mentioned Colin Trevorrow I at one point. I didn't even hear Brad Bird involved in this early days. There was a rumor that Brad Bird was kind of talking to Kathy Kathy Kennedy about like I would go after this guy, like that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, um, that's a good wish. Yeah, I, I like that. T- I want to see that because I want to know what he had in what? store for Han, Leia. Where what was his end game with Luke? Was Luke what was Lucas's? Yeah, like I guess that that's my ultimate. Like my wish is really driving at my ultimate desire, mm-hmm. which is, and it's funny. I love how Sam Witwer, you know, and a lot of people call him this, but you know, Lucas, the creator. Like what what was the creator's intention with Luke Skywalker? Yeah. Like, That's what I want to know. Like in his head, because ultimately we all have our own campfire stories and we all think our campfire story is better than everybody else's. There's comments in our videos where it's like, oh, like some people loved some of our little campfire stories when we talk about the Obi-Wan movie or this or that. Mm-hmm. Other people say that it's the worst idea they've ever heard and they're so glad that we're not involved. Right. And it's like to me, that doesn't bother me because I understand the reality that we all have our campfire stories. You know, we do. And ultimately, the only one whose campfire story matters is the guy who created the original story, right? right. Like, like not. You know what? Let me rephrase that. It's not the only one that matters because I, I believe that if you're going to take the analogy of the campfire story all the way, and I do think it's valid that. 
the destruction of the EU was probably the worst thing that happened to Star Wars. Yeah. Because that's where you can have these campfire stories, right? Yeah. And, and you can let them all live and stuff like that. But the main story, the one that the campfire stories are based on, the legend, the the myth, was created by a single human being who lives in San Francisco somewhere in San Marino Mill County. Valley. Mill Valley. Yeah, near Mill Valley. Yeah, near Mill Valley. And you bet your ass that he had a plan for what happened to Luke Skywalker. I – 100% agree. I love that you wrapped it right back into the campfire analogy because no matter what, I think that we've all adopted Star Wars, fans listening now, us in general, we've all adopted it as part of a life culture. Yeah. And so we take it seriously. Part of our myths. It's part of our myths. It is our campfire story. Yeah. And we're going to take these very seriously. And so when it doesn't line up in our mind, I think that's what we're seeing happen right now. It's not lining up with our mind. Guess what everybody has? They have a bullhorn. That bullhorn is social media. Yeah. And anybody that has a social media account can say, I don't like this or I like this. And then somebody will respond. And then let's say somebody sees that, retweets it, and then that goes viral for whatever reason. That bullhorn is magnified. Yeah. And you have this where you're able to hear all of yeah. this dissident. And like maybe that's that's the point. That's the point of of this whole discussion, which is that it's okay to have opposing points of views on your campfire story versus Disney's or versus the prequels or versus the Ewoks or versus whatever. Right. Lucas got this with the prequels. We were on the cusp of social media. We were yeah. starting to enter yeah, that age. Yeah, there was age. so much vitriol around. So look, like the prequels, I think, are a lot of people have come around on them. They, yes, they've come around Me on included. them. included. Like, to be honest with you, uh, when I first saw Phantom Menace, I was appalled. I was appalled for about three years. I, okay. I stuck up for it, like, so hard because I was very much yeah. blinded by my Star wars in. Yeah, it started yeah, growing on me. It started growing on me when I heard an interview with George Lucas. I think it was on Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, or maybe Variety, I forget. But he, he he said, I made this movie for my 12-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it for the 35-year-old dude that's like was waiting his whole life for it. Yeah. Like it's for a different audience. Like almost like get over it. It, it really is. And where I feel that the sequels, the sequel trilogy is made for that original audience again. And they try to pander to that original audience so much that I think that they've um, – created an entire new young generation of kids that don't give a flying F about Star Wars. You think so, huh? I just shot a, you know, my uh, my away mission that I was on, I was shooting a pilot, yeah. you know, for a for a television show that we that that we're working on. Yeah. And the star of the show is this very very intelligent uh um, you know, 20-year-old uh, young man um who's very cultured, very intelligent, very well read, has never seen Star Wars. Hmm. Interesting. What's wrong with this guy? Do I need right, to talk to right. him? What's wrong with this guy is that he comes from a new generation. Yeah. And these movies, these new Star Wars movies, don't speak to that youthful generation the same way that the original trilogy. Because you got to remember, the original trilogy was made for you and me when we were eight, nine years old. And the look, five years old, six I, years old. I know kids. Now, my step nephew, geez, it's so hard to come. Okay. My dad married. His grandmother, 
So he's my step. Your dad married his grandmother? That's, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, 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 okay. My dad <laughs> married. That code. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's yeah. a, My dad married somebody. She had a daughter. So my stepsister, right? Okay. Her son. So my so, stepsister's so like, son. So it's like, so, so it's like your stepnephew. Or... Stepnephew. That's yeah. where I was going. He grew up with the prequels. Right. Loves the prequels. Star Wars to him is the prequels. Yeah. I do believe we're gonna st- we're going to have those people with this new sequel trilogy. But this new sequel, uh, I, first of all, I would agree with you if Lucas was still in control. But this new sequel trilogy was, and I and I actually also believe is why they make so much money mm-hmm. because that's one thing you can't deny. Yeah, is that the sequels are by far, it's not even close. Yeah, by far the most financially successful of all of the Star Wars movies. It's like even if you put them up, relatively speaking, right? Like obviously I think Star Wars Episode um, uh, 4, The New Hope or whatever, I think it made $346 million mm-hmm. at the box office, something like that. Okay? For inflation, it's different and I, I don't want to get sure, into that sure. now because you're making a point because I have a point I think that's very interesting. But, but even if you put the inflation on it, I mm-hmm. still think The Force Awakens performed better. Yeah. You know, so so you know, you can't deny the fact that the new Disney Star Wars has been incredibly successful financially, especially with um Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi. Yeah. Like Solo, whatever, it was a mess. But like those three were a huge friggin' hit. They all grossed and, a billion plus Force Awakens two billion. Yes. Incredible. Yep. I think it's because and maybe correctly so, they were targeting an audience with disposable income, mm-hmm. and they were targeting an audience that was more supposedly the fans of the original trilogy. True, very true. You know, like, so like, we're bringing our kids, truly. I mean, I have right. a friend who has kids. You know, to I'm, watch daddy's movie, though. To watch daddy's movie. Here's what I think about this, and it, it somewhat agrees with you, because I think there is a culture now in movies that it is a blockbuster culture that you want to be a part of that conversation. So more so than wanting to see The Force Awakens to get that Star Wars campfire, the thing that connects us to the hero's journey, the the storytelling tropes of mythology and all these things, I think you see it in Marvel movies, DC movies, Star Wars movies, big budget Godzilla movies. Rampage, what have you. Blockbuster culture is getting these big numbers because it becomes an event. And I don't care if it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, all the ones I just mentioned. If it looks good, if it's slick, if you get a good trailer and a good star and something catches your eye and that blockbuster culture that we talk about every day, you want to be a part of that conversation no matter what. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to that then – and it is to your point that we're seeing Star Wars. Star Wars is making so much money because a lot of it I think of people that we got to see this because it's a Star Wars movie right. in theaters. But it's also being targeted – I guess my bigger point there is that it's also being targeted at our fundamental demographic. Yes, It's it being targeted at a demographic that's older than 25 mm-hmm. where I think Lucas – and and even at Celebration when you and I were there for the 40th anniversary, mm-hmm. he was – I made this like you guys can bitch and complain all you want. I made this movie for twelve year olds. Like, right? Live with it. Right. I made the first trilogy for twelve year olds. That's when you guys were twelve. Yep. And I made the second trilogy for twelve year olds. That's when your nephews were twelve. Yeah. 
And if I would have made a third trilogy, now I'm, now I'm ad-libbing. But if I would have made a third trilogy, you can bet your ass I would have made that one for 12-year-olds as well. And let me tell you something. And this, this new sequel trilogy is not made for 12-year-olds. It's made for an older – it's made for us. It's made – Yeah. It's it, made for the fanboy. I, I would I – would, I somewhat agree and disagree in that – At least The Force Awakens was. The Last Jedi was a complete mess on all levels when it came to targeting a demographic because yeah. it, 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 it messed with expectations so much. Well, it's nostalgia right now. It goes to your point made for us. Because nostalgia is taking over. You're watching this happen everywhere. Right, right. We're going back to characters. We're bringing Creed, putting him as the main right. character, but here's Rocky for your nostalgia factor. We are redoing RoboCop. We're going to go back, and it's going to be a direct sequel yes. after RoboCop. That's a great point. Ha- yeah. Halloween, yep. direct sequel from 1978. We're getting rid of all those movies. We're bringing back your Han, your Luke, your Leia for Star Wars. Where else is this happening? Where, where I think – Mary guess my, Poppins returns. You just nailed it for me. You actually made me elucidate my point better, mm. which is that my ultimate point here is that the next generation, right? Forget millennial, Gen Z or whatever it is they're calling it, the mm. next wave of generation because they grew up with highly advanced technology right. from the beginning – do not give a flying f about nostalgia. I yeah. So I, I think I might be agreeing with you now, just because of what like I talked myself into that point. Yeah, yeah. Because, because it's making sense, and it even goes in, and I think enhances my point of blockbuster culture. Yeah, is that if you package these movies correctly and give it a great trailer and recast and like, hey, we're bringing back Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. Hey, we're bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis. As Laurie Strode in That's Halloween. For us. That's, That's for, for us. That's for us. That's for us. It's not for the new generation. Yeah, because Where Lucas a, was only a... making movies for the new generation. Yes. And to that point, do you know – this is what I love about Lucas. When the prequels came out, everything was shiny, right? Yeah. Everything was kind of sleek, sleek and yeah. pointy. And what was the original trilogy? Beat up, worn, yeah. weathered, you know, all these things because – we had the old republic. It was the sh- it was what Obi Wan said in New Hope. It was a you know it was a time that was you know the galaxy was somewhat at peace. Yeah, you know, relatively speaking. So it was a different time. So you're not seeing your familiar X wings, your familiar Tie fighters, your familiar the the ships were so different, right? Yeah. Let's put that idea to Lucas and the sequel trilogy. If he would have gone into not only gone even further into the force scientifically, so even to your point of science fiction, we got some science, and that was from our creator, Metachlorians. Yeah. So he's going we got deeper. An explanation. Right? We got That's an explanation, is, yeah. which blew a lot of people out of the water. They didn't like yeah. that. I think me, me included. Yeah. So if we me get included, even, I didn't love the Metachlorian thing that yeah. much either. Yeah. If we go a little deeper with Lucas, and he's telling us there are wills controlling the Metachlorians, fine. That's a story element. What would his movie, though, look like? Where would he put his head? I don't think we'd have X-Wings. I don't think we'd I have TIE Fighters. Of course not. We, it would we, have been totally new. We totally probably different. have the Millennium Falcon. That's fine. I think you would have had some iconic elements, just yes. like how he had R2-D2 and C-3PO in the prequels. Right. Like some anchors. There would be some anchors the droids, for sure. I, I think Millennium Falcon would have the been an anchor. The lightsabers, obviously. There's there's anchors for sure, but, but you're but you're a thousand percent right. He would have he would have went, Where's the galaxy now? Yeah. Okay. 
he would have probably gone, okay, so this happened, this happened, this happened. There's a whole new republic. There's peace in the galaxy. At one point in the books and bloodline, Mon Mothma wanted to de-arm the galaxy. So we're talking about getting rid of weapons. Mm. What does that do for the Jedi? I think Lucas would have – we would have seen something that would have been completely different from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy because that's I what agree. Lucas does. And it probably would have sold a shit ton more toys. I think you're right. Because like, what do we have now? We have an X-Wing with a red stripe on it. I'm sorry, uh, a TIE fighter with a red stripe on it. We and have an a, X-Wing and, and that's a black. black. X-Wing, yeah. yeah, come on, man. Yeah, that's yeah, the more I talk about it, it is. It's it's yeah. it is a reliance on nostalgia. I get it. I yeah. like it, but it's nostalgia point, paralysis, you know. To and your Lucas, point, they're they're making it for us. Yeah. And I think because though, however, I will say this, because it has lightsabers, space wizards, Flying ships that shoot lasers, colorful creatures that bark and growl and do this and whatever it may be. Kids will like these movies because they have stuff that they can Look, stimulate I, them. I don't have data on this. Yeah. But I got I to gotta believe that kids that – like let's say that like 8 to 12, right? Let's say that 8 to 12 demographic mm-hmm. that is the one that Lucas – Professes he made these movies for right. Um, th- the eight to twelve demographic probably rates much lower on the sequels than they ever have, relatively speaking, for the other two trilogies. Yeah, the eight to twelve index on the original trilogy and the eight to twelve index on the prequels, I bet you are way higher than the eight to twelve index on the sequels, and the long term effect that that is going to have is going to make for a weaker fan base that doesn't have new fans coming into it. Mm. And it's going to just continue, just to bring it back around, continue to perpetuate this divisive culture that is shown around Star Wars, where people are throwing bombs at each other, where it's no longer the loyal opposition. It's the sequels versus the prequels. It's the original trilogy versus the prequels. It's the prequels versus the original trilogy. Everybody kind of hates each other. Yeah, it's because their campfire story didn't match up with your campfire story. And you like this version of the campfire story, but this guy didn't. And then that campfire story over here with the prequels didn't match up to this guy's campfire. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And we all feel like we have ownership over it because the birth of the campfire story is so strong Mm -hmm. and it's so simple to wrap your head around. There's a kid that has these great powers. And he was able to overcome the entire suppress, uh, uh, oppressive empire. Yeah, It's this magical hero's journey, so easy to remember, so easy to talk about with such great characters that you know, we all feel like we have ownership over them. And mm-hmm. when somebody violates what we have in our head, our first reaction is to get defensive and mm-hmm. to start throwing insults. Not everybody, not everybody, a small minority – but I think that you know, for Star Wars to survive and continue to be this great, healthy property, it's got to take a you know, it's got to listen to maybe something like um, you know, this has got a little bit of a tangent, but Into the Spider Verse. You know, we just saw the movie last night. Yeah. It was my first time watching. My it last first night. time too it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Why? Because it was original, fresh embracing of new ideas yep. and the nostalgia was there but it was held to a bare minimum 
Uh, that was the exact point I was going to make. Yeah. You had your nostalgia. You had references to Spider-Man, but it created a whole new story. It focused on a new character. The animation, this is to your point of the creator and George Lucas, not yeah. only would he make the movie for 8 to 12-year-olds, he would want to push technology. Yes. I think yes. he would look Big at time. Spider-Verse and Big go, time. I like this movie because they're pushing – the limits of animation. They are trying to show you something different. Yes, and absolutely. they did. Spider Verse did what, it. That's what Star Wars always did. The only thing that I've seen in Star Wars that has pushed anything in, since Disney took over is what I thought was an amazing uh, Tarkin recreation. Yeah, Tarkin. I would say to me that's the only time that Star Wars has been pushed further into the world of like, like all six of the other movies push filmmaking forward. You can yeah. identify. Things that happen with each one. Well, look at – I mean, Jesus, it started with Jar Jar. It started with – yeah, It really did start with Jar Jar. And Particle Effects and Revenge of the Sith. I mean the story goes on and on. With with the new ones, you have movies like – I mean people won't say, oh, what's pushing cinema now? People usually go to the MCU You know, in terms of technology, right? Maybe technology. I think think what that did for movies and blockbuster movies was telling a story – over many movies, yeah, serial, like it, absolutely, like absolutely, which is an innovation universe. to the medium. Yes, you know, um, and um, yeah. So look, I, you know, they're turning the red light on us, but I just want to close it out with one thought, okay? okay? Which is ultimately what I'm trying to say here is that I think it's healthy to have dialogue, debate, discussion about Star Wars. Okay, it's fun. It's fun to talk about each other's campfire stories and compare notes. Yes. Okay? It's not so much fun or it's not, it's not even about fun or not fun. It's not so productive when you uh, throw vitriol or you throw anger or hatred or even insults at somebody else's campfire story and aren't even willing to talk it through yeah. because we all own Star Wars in our own minds mm-hmm. and – we all need to be able to have discourse on it and be open to the other person's campfire story because they're all based out of the same pillars. And anyway, look, it's like, you know, perfect preaching to the choir type of thing with you. But I, I just, well, yeah, because I agree with you 100% because we'll always go to it. If you, and, and we said it at the top of the show, in the comment section here on this video, Comments that you may leave on the podcast, hit us up on Twitter, what have you. If you insult me and or Mark and or Christian or Ken or Emma or Tiffany Smith or anybody that's appeared on our shows in Star Wars related and you call us stupid or something worse for your opinion because you disagree with us, guess what? That conversation goes zero places. Yes. It ends right That's very well there. Said. Well said. So if you want to talk about campfire stories in Star Wars, then do it a different way. Yeah. That's all. Have an actual dialogue. I agree with your point there that Luke Skywalker did a great thing with his force projection. However, I don't believe Luke Skywalker would ever walk away like this and hide on an island. So you know what? That doesn't really do it for me. I didn't like Luke for that reason. Versus you're an idiot. Idiot, stupid, not my Luke. You're a moron. I hope you die, whatever it may be. It's like – which that's another thing. Come on. (laughs) You're telling people to die. I've seen it. It happened to me. Look, Whatever. The reason Riley and I, I think, even brought this topic up today is because 
we long to share our campfire stories. Absolutely. That's part of our need. So it's like to create an environment where people also long to share their campfire stories and have those campfire stories intermingle with each other and and cross-pollinate. That's when you talk about a truly shared universe, you know, yeah. that you know like a wisdom of the crowd. Like, you know, there is no wisdom in violence and hatred and stupidity. That, no. You know, because absolutely that just like Riley said it perfectly. That just ends conversations. You can't go anywhere. So that's it. That's our show as well, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this Rula Two episode. It was episode seventeen. What a great conversation, Mark Fernandez. Yeah, you can find back. him. It's good to have you back at Mark Fernandez on Twitter. You can follow me at Riley around on Twitter and Instagram. And drop in some comments. We want to hear what your campfire story is. What are some of the things that you might have seen in George Lucas's movies? There's a lot you can discuss. Drop those in the comments. We do look at them. So that's episode 17 in the book. Subscribe. Share this around. It's on the Jedi Council Podcast One feed. We will be back with a new episode next Wednesday on an all-new Rule of Two. See you then. Rise. That little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.